We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing? It is Monday. Vince D'Addario is back from vacation. Sean Styers, I've been here. I guess I was off for an extra day last week. But, That's true. Uh, we are all here today. It is Monday, and uh, I mean, it just hit six oh two, and we've already got people, you know, chirping Man. out there. Salty says, in a strange kind of synchrony. I don't know if you meant to say synchronicity, like he left out a couple <laughs> syllables there or what, but he said HBO is showing the Fellowship of the Ring at 6 p.m. It's a Sean Aston nod IB Sports Talk. Wonder if HBO will wait until 6 wow. 07 to start. That is just a severe jab. And I challenge you to find a, a show that we started at 6 07 last week. Come on. Seriously. I, I don't think we ever start that late unless there's like some severe technical difficulties that's right right that's harsh it's harsh good vacation it was a very good vacation it's never long enough you know how vacations go like it always felt like you know we got there we had like you know seven days or whatever it's like oh we got so much time we're gonna get all this stuff done you know and then you get all of a sudden it's like oh crap we got a day and a half left we got this list of things still that we want to do and so a bunch of stuff gets left off the list. It's just, it's the same story every year. You'd think we would learn our lesson, but we never do. <laughs> Salty says synchrony is used correct. I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> I don't know if that I've ever used synchrony, but I'll trust you. I'll, I'll just, I, okay. <laughs> My vacation's coming up in a couple of yeah, weeks. So we'll true. see what, what we're able to, to jam in to, uh, to ours. We don't have to take. 16 kids with us though so that yes we had five <laughs> kids plus one so it was a lot of kids uh that we were dealing with so yes it was fun i'll yeah. tell you more about that off the air but it was uh something that we've never done before and i'm not sure i want to do it again but it was fun it was a good time all right, all right. so we're going to save the actual notre dame football talk for rapid fire we do have some notre dame football talk that we'll get to we in rapid fire but this is kind of a show that we've been talking about, you and I have been talking about doing this for a little bit. And this is the 30th, this year is the 30th anniversary of the movie Rudy coming out. Of course, Sean Astin, famous, you know, Daniel Rudy, Rudiger, all that stuff. Notre Dame oriented movie. They still show it. I, you know, like it Notre Dame. They've been showing it for the last few years on the big yeah. screen at Notre Dame Stadium. I, to I need to make it in for that one of these days like i think yeah. that would actually be a lot of fun do they allow the general public or is it just students do you know that's a, that's a really good question it may be just for students i mean there's enough room for anybody who wants to show up but i'm right i'm sure because right. i'm sure they keep it to students but. yeah because i know they do you know they let the kids bring like the their picnic blankets and the whole thing and they're on the field right. and you know that would be that would because i don't know I think I might have failed as a father. I don't know that I've ever actually forced all of my children to sit down and watch it. I know they would probably would, some of them would not enjoy it at all. But, 
I don't know. I think I need to sit my kid down and make him want my oldest, make him watch it again with the eyes of a football player and like a, you know, that kind of a thing. But I will have to ask Jesse tomorrow. I don't know that, you know, we ever formally say we, I've got the DVD <laughs> and I watched it this weekend. Yeah. There's some technical difficulties. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> first I noticed when I put in the DVD, it's like, wow, when did, when did my DVD player start sounding like the old projector we used to use in history <laughs> class? <laughs> well, I wanted, I, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go well, ahead. Well, one of them, one of them wouldn't work at all. And so I swapped out, you know, like the DVD from the other room, you know, to the room that I wanted to sit. I don't know if it's the cables or what, but I ended up watching Rudy in black and white. It's like, <laughs> am I watching one, one for the Giffer? Am I watching Rudy? What are we doing here? But I was able to watch it, even though it was in black and white over the weekend. So it was a little bit different experience. Definitely an old school experience yeah. watching Rudy in black and white. I was actually not able to watch it because it turns out I only have it in VHS. I never upgraded, quote unquote, wow. upgraded to the DVD. And at some point along the way, I got rid of all my VHS. So I do have a VHS player, believe it or not, that I could have watched it on. But I couldn't find it anywhere, and I don't have it on DVD. So I'm going off the noggin here, and I'm sure still, you'll remember it. I feel pretty good about it because I'm pretty yeah. sure I could You've recite times. start to finish yeah. every line in the movie. So, yeah. so we've, you know, we've been kicking this around. We knew this was the 30th anniversary. The actual anniversary is the middle of October when the movie was actually released. We're we're obviously going to be talking about some, you know, football at that point so we wanted to dedicate oh he's got the bell we wanted to dedicate some time to it it's july this is what you do in july and i'm like it's monday vince Absolutely. is coming back from vacation let's have a little fun on this monday talk a little talk a little bit of rudy this so is here perfect. we are this is perfect yes. this is a topic that i i am uh, relatively passionate about as well and uh you know you you did you used to have a show a podcast where you guys would watch sports movies Right, and when you guys did Rudy, I was appalled at the entire thing, and I had to come on. We did a second show, we did where I we was able to rebut a lot of the nonsense the That's that right. I heard. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And apparently, it sounds like Ryan would be. DT says, "Can we get Ryan on for a guest opinion on the movie?" Apparently, well, he is not a fan. Not a fan of Rudy, and not, not a fan. I'll say, I've I've gone back and forth, and I let our friend Bobby um, taint me. I think last time, and I soured a little bit watching it this time. I'll say, I came away with the better feel. Um, I will say this better. Very slow first hour, like that whole, like the lead up till he finally gets on the team and all that. It's yeah. a very, maybe it's just because I've seen it so many times. Very slow, very mm. slow build up to get there. Yeah, I guess I could see that, but a lot takes place in that first hour. I mean, he makes but the best friend, best friend dies, he has a girlfriend, they're going to get married. That goes away. Like, there's a lot going on, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're trying to build a story. I would have been curious to see what what Roger Ebert thought of it. He's he's well, Roger Ebert loves the story, so there and was there was a lot a of twists and there. turns 
I mean, if you if you've never seen it before, we're do- we're talking death of a best friend. We're talking the death of a relationship right. and a brother's betrayal as well. I mean, there's a lot that goes on in that first first out. Excuse Jonathan me. says a lot of friends were in this film, like his extras, basically, kind of thing. Well, Jonathan, earlier he said it? that one of the one of the scenes was filmed in a classroom at John Adams High School. So really? my guess is he was in high school at the time. Okay. And therefore, there was a ton of people that were in the – I know there was a ton of people in the stadium during that game, obviously. Someone needs to do some – but someone locally yeah. needs to do some kind of – you know, better documentation of all the local spots that were used in Rudy. And um, yeah. you, could al- you could almost make like a Rudy tour. Cause like you I've could. been in, there's a, I can't even remember the name of the tavern. It's like one of those neighborhood taverns that they filmed, you know, the bar scenes, it's Corby's. And, you know, where, it's no, Corby's. it wasn't Well, Corby's was one, but there was another. Oh, the one that's like supposed a, to be more like in Chicago. Yeah. It's on, yeah. it's on. Yeah. Not, not Corby's where, you know, the students go. Right. But yeah, but it's the one where he's supposed to be still in Chicago with Pete and his brother. Right. And right, I think right, his right. dad is there. That was actually it was it was filmed on the west side here in South Bend. I can't remember the name of it, but I have been gotcha. there before a couple times. And it's just, you know, just a small, you know, kind of dive bar type place. And I've always wondered, you know, some of the other spots that they used, you know, to shoot some different stuff. Someone like I said, I think someone needs to do some better documentation well, here around town. That's I want to talk about that or something. I want to touch on that to a degree when we, because there's a bunch of stuff that we're going to hit, right? You asked me some questions. And well, let me ask you location this. shoot is one of them. You are a native of the area. Yes. You were what, like 11, 12 when this was being filmed? Shot. Yeah. That sounds so do right. you do you have a recollection of that? Like, do you remember hearing about, hey, they're shooting a movie about, you know, Notre Dame, something like Not that? Not even an inkling, not even a remembrance in any way of that. Nope. Nope. Because when I was growing up, Sean, South Bend, Mishawak, like I grew up in Elkhart and Bristol, right? Which is a little bit east of Elkhart. And when we would go to the mall in Mishawaka, you know, like that was a, that was a thing. Like that was a to do because it was like the day trip, huh? Yeah. Because you know (laughs) what, back then when you're traveling down Cleveland road, uh, there was nothing. From like Cassopolis Street and Elkar all the way to the mall, it was nothing but cornfields. So like that was a trip. So anything that was like happening in the South Bend, Mishawaka area, that was like another planet for me. So I don't remember this at all, to be honest with you. Not even a little bit. Okay. Interesting. Um, the first, you know, like I remember seeing maybe kind of some... You know, I didn't live here, obviously. I was in Lawrence, Kansas, still going to school. So the first I, you know, really heard of it, I remember seeing some previews, but it was, it wasn't really even clear that it was necessarily about Notre Dame. I, you know, I don't remember that. And the first, yeah. like, I finally saw it when it was in a dollar theater. Really? You know, and it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I didn't realize exactly what this, you know, this is a pretty cool movie. Do you remember, you know, the first time you actually saw it? Oh, I do. I saw it in the theaters. Uh, and I remember, because I was 12 when it came out, and I remember going to see it in the theater. And it may have been the Dollar Theater, now that you mention it. Uh, but I remember right where I was sitting uh, in the theater. I was in, like, the not the complete front, but front left. And <clears throat> that opening, the opening credits where you just have the drums. The drum line. Like, boom, boom, boom. I was hooked. I was in. I remember at the end, tears. Like I, the whole thing, man. Like I was hooked from the from the the first note. There's no doubt. Interesting, interesting. I guess that I mean that that shouldn't come as a surprise because again, by then you're like what twelve or thirteen years right. old already. I guess right. Yep. So like, yep. I was right you're... in that gullible like I'm in stage. You know what I mean? Because it came out in '93, uh-huh. right? So that was right in the like Notre Dame is really good. Period. You know what I mean? It was that 92, 93 that's season. True. Like I was that's when I really kind of fell in love with Notre Dame in the first place. And I think they like the filmed Dennis Meyer, that whole thing. And, yeah. Yeah. Like you remember, you know, the 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 famous uh snow game with Penn State, Notre Dame and Penn State. I think they were actually there and they shot like one remember like yep. there's a scene where it's snowing a little bit. They were actually there that day just for like that one scene, you know, that that they did 
It's directed by David Anspaugh, written by Angelo Pizzo. Is it Pizzo or Puzo? Pizzo, I think. I think it's Pizzo. But they they also collaborated to make the movie Hoosiers. And they did another sports movie a few years back called The Game of Their Lives. I haven't seen it. It's based on the 1950 U.S. Yeah, soccer team. So they did, you know, handful of movies together. But I, the two most famous ones, probably, Rudy and Hoosiers, about seven, six, seven years apart, they did them. And, like, when you when you see Hoosiers, when you see Rudy, I think, you know, again, like that slow buildup, I think that is a very common theme in the two. Because oh, Hoosiers... Yeah. Hoosiers doesn't really get cooking either until you no, know, the basketball doesn't. comes and they go in the state tournament. Right? That's that's, my that's biggest... how I felt watching Rudy this weekend. Yeah. That that's my biggest thing about Hoosiers is it is it it's a slow mover, man. Like it until they get into the tournament when you actually get to see some action. Like definitely did not need the Gene Hackman love story and like there's just a lot of stuff about Hoosiers that didn't need to happen. But like the sports part of it is awesome. Right. For Hoosiers, you know? So, yeah. See, that's how I felt about I the start of Rudy. And I, and I get it. A little bit, little bit too much. It's like, all right, let's, let's, especially like if you were, if you were doing it today, I think the pace for both of those movies would have to be a lot quicker. Just the way, yeah. you know, people's attention spans and the way things are shot and cut and edited and everything else. Like, I don't, I don't know that you could make movies like Hoosiers and Rudy necessarily to the, you know, again, it's like, you know, yeah. you'd almost have to like start with some kind of, you know, sports montage or something, and then maybe slow down for a little bit and build back up again. Interesting though that uh, you remember Mary, the girl on campus, who uh, who Rudy, she's she's the girl who who was mm -hmm. like running the activities and was oh, yeah. in charge of the football helmet painting and all that stuff. Greta Lind, the actress, she married Pizzo. They were married from like '94 to 2010 before. They divorced, but uh, so she was, she was in it and uh, ended up married to the the guy who wrote the film. Hmm. That's I didn't know that, but it pays to know who you know. Research. I remember finding that when we did the uh, the first. <laughs> did you go back to your notes? Did you go back to the archives? <laughs> I did. I didn't, but there was something that I saw. I was looking something up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that." <laughs> so, so what do you think? Does this? Does does Rudy hold up over time? I mean, you're still in love with it, it sounds like. Oh, there's, I mean, I'm going to be one of the most biased people you could possibly talk to. But I think it does hold up because of when it was filmed, it holds up, right? I mean, I don't know that you could, you would have a hard time doing a period piece at Notre Dame right now. And and this kind of goes into the I've seen some people talking in the chat. Well, the way, yeah, like the way you'd have to shoot it. Would this, be so different. yes. You'd oh have my god, use gosh. a lot of CGI to recreate the stadium. Yeah, it'd be like trying to recreate, you know, uh, the Coliseum and Gladiator. Like, right? It, it just nothing about Notre Dame's campus looks the way it did That's back then. And I, I made a note of this when I was going through my notes for this and. Campus didn't really change a whole lot from the late 70s to the early 90s at Notre Dame. It just, yeah, it's like it mid, mid 90s on. Mid like, 90s. From, from then until now, yeah. it's almost unrecognizable. It was when, really right after they shot the movie because, like, yep. the, the west side of the stadium where the press box used to be, and obviously there's a couple shots you can see the old press yeah. box. And I mean, oh, just yeah. looking at that, it's like a high school press box by today's standards. But. Mm -hmm. Even outside of it, there was a, you know, like a wide shot from outside. And that was all, there's buildings over there now. And that was all like grass yeah. field still at that point. Oh, yeah. And the whole athletic complex, really, that's on the south side of campus now really wasn't there. I mean, there's so many things that are completely different about campus is that you couldn't shoot that on campus now. You would have to go someplace else and pretend that it's Notre Dame and come on, you can't pretend anything is Notre Dame. Right. I mean, so I don't think you could make that movie right now. I, I don't think you could. And it's, it's look, it's a classic underdog story. You know what I mean? And, and it, it works as a sports movie because it's an underdog story. And that's why it holds up Be right? because of the underdog thing. Right. That's, that's the biggest thing. The rewatchability, though, to me, you know, again, like I did find myself enjoying once they got to he made the team and all that stuff, found myself enjoying that more 
than the last time I watched it, which was probably what three, four years ago, something like yeah. that, when we talked about it on that that podcast. Re rewatchability, overall rewatchability. Ah, I'd say the max is maybe five times for me, you know, and it's like, it, it's mm. just kind of, and I, and I think that I get, you know, again, between the slow first hour of the show and just kind of, it's like, uh, you know, you've got to listen to his dad and you know, all that. Oh, he's pontificating, Sean. Oh, I know. Great. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, by the way, slow clap. You know, when he goes back to practice, where are you <laughs> on the slow ridiculous. clap? Where are I you hate on the, the slow clap? clap. I hate the slow <laughs> clap. I, if there was anything that was not believable in that movie, it's the slow clap the slow where he clap. shows up in the middle of practice. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not even close to believable. And as much as I love this movie, as much as I love it, and I will defend it until my dying day, I can't defend that particular scene. Can't defend it. We've all been on teams before. We've all seen that kid who's a plucky whatever. Not once did I ever feel the need to slow clap that kid <laughs> or anybody else for that matter. Hey, you showed up late. <laughs> like, there's no way. We would be making fun of them for showing all up late. All-American offensive lineman is slow clapping the right. Way around, you know? the, the slow clap thing was hard to stomach. I'm not going to lie. I am yeah. not a fan of the slow clap. That's I remember Brubaker, the Robert Redford movie from like late 70s, early, you know, right around 1980-ish, maybe something like that. That was the first time I remember the slow clap. They gave <laughs> they gave Brubeck Brubaker the slow clap at the end of the movie, the prisoners did when he was leaving. Um, that's the first slow clap I remember. This is probably the second slow clap I remember. I don't need any more slow clap after that. That's yeah, just... <laughs> slow clap is just that's that's hard to stomach. The slow clap, it, it feels like it's a, a punchline almost. Like that's what the slow yeah. clap is. And that's, it, it doesn't work at all. You know, I have no problem with them welcoming him back in the huddle, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, like they also like, there's the, they, they like rub his head, you know, cause he's like this little guy and the big guy like rubs at the top of his helmet, you know? Okay. But the slow clap, yeah, can't get on board with that. Yeah. Jonathan, we'll get into some of the stuff that did and didn't happen. And, and I think that that's what really – do you want to just do it now or do you want to we, talk a little bit about We can go whatever order you want. I got let's all the answers. About, let's right talk here. about the cast a little bit first. You got Sean okay. Astin, yep. who really, like this and Lord of the Rings, probably became his two biggest things, although he was on Stranger Things for a season, the first season of Stranger <laughs> Things a few years back. I won't spoil right. anything if you haven't seen it yet. But you know, I guess he was Goonies as well he was that was um, the first thing i remember him from yeah but he was also a machine gunner in memphis bell you've seen memphis great bell movie. right great yeah, great movie, movie yep. with matthew modine yep, very underrated right. movie memphis bell check yeah. it out people for sure for sure and i think really kind of how do i want to say this just like the two gems that ended up in this movie were like you know one was a a bit part the other was a little bit bigger part. John Favreau, the sidekick, D Bob. Yep. John Favreau right now is one of the biggest directors in Hollywood because of you know all the. I don't know if it's Marvel. I don't know which it's ones he does. Marvel because he, he was, does the superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. he did a lot of the. Uh, I think uh, he did Iron Man. Iron Man. Right. He did a bunch of Iron yeah. Mans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is only the third movie that he actually was in as an actor. Mm -hmm. He was also he's, he's Eric the Clown, by the way, in Seinfeld. Do you remember the Eric the Clown episode no. in Seinfeld? That's the one where George, he's got a girlfriend and he goes to her kid's birthday party and they've hired, you know, like a birthday party clown and the apartment catches fire. And George, when the apartment catches fire, he like rushes out the door and leaves the girlfriend and all the kids. That's in hilarious. There. But John Favreau was... Uh, was Eric the Clown in that? You never get to see his face, but you can tell by his voice. And he's well, and he's right. almost unrecognizable in Rudy as to right. what you know what, what he, he ended up being right. and, and all of that. I mean, because right. I mean, he had to have put on 70, 80 pounds for that, right? And and of course, Vince Vaughn, who plays Jamie O'Hara, this right. was just his second movie that he ever made, and these two meet on the set of Rudy. 
And like three or four years later, they do Swingers, little independent, but it's like what launches Favreau. Like he wrote it, yeah. directed it, the whole thing. And it launched Vince Vaughn to a large extent as well. Because really, have you seen Swingers? Uh, a long time ago, but yes. Talking a lot with my hands right now. but Yeah, like, no, I, I have, but Vince, it was a long it was a long time ago. Vince Vaughn, Trent in Swingers, like really that guy, which a lot of people say is just Vince Vaughn, but that became <laughs> right. like his most successful comedies of the early 2000s were all basically that guy, right? Like <laughs> it's the, true. You know, the fast talking, you know, quick witted, you know, smart aleck and, and all that. Wedding crashers. Yeah. Dodgeball. Right. All yep. of those. Yeah. Yep. But they met. They met on the set and, you know, again, like Vince Vaughn as Jamie O'Hara didn't necessarily have a, a big role, but. And again, talk about unrecognizable. Most people, if they watch Rudy for the first time would have zero clue. That's Vince Vaughn. Right. Unless they're looking at the credits and I believe it says Vincent Vaughn as well. It doesn't even say Vince. It's Vincent Vaughn. They, they'd have no idea. They, they would know they would have no idea that that was him. Right. Ned Beatty is the dad. Charles S. Dutton plays Fortune. Uh, Lily Taylor, who I still remember. Lily Taylor, I remember her for uh, Lloyd Dobler's friend in Say Anything. She was the girl with the guitar and uh, okay. singing, um, what was it? Joe Lies when he cries and all that stuff. And then you've got Chelsea Ross, who played Dan Devine, who again, like he was Mr. Sports Movies in the late 80s early 90s he also yes, did the Anspaw Pizzo movie he was in Hoosiers he's the uh he was the assistant coach who I think was a dad that uh oh got, yeah he was he was basically he, a villain he, in he Hoosiers. thought he was running I mean, the show and, yeah. and coach kicked him out kicked him out of practice kind of yeah uh-huh. that's right that's right but he was also Eddie in Major League the pitcher with the the grease ball and all that oh yeah stuff. he was the so, junk baller yeah he had a good he had a good sports movie run there it really did in that time and then I'll tell you what, I did not know much about Tom Denon. You know, like the play-by-play voice that I knew and, you know, was around for a long time. And I know that you knew Tony Roberts. And I always kind of wondered, well, why didn't they use Tony Roberts? Well, they actually, Tom Denon was the, you know, before Tony Roberts, the longtime voice, mm. radio voice of the Fighting Irish, sports director at WNDU-TV here in town and hosted Arapar Segan, Dan Devine, Digger Phelps coaches shows. He was the radio guy. I know. didn't know so that. So they, they did use, again, research. <laughs> they did use the actual radio guy. So that's good. Well, and he sounded like a radio guy, to be honest with you. I mean, right. it, it, I realized he was reading lines or whatever, but he sounded like a legit radio guy. And that's not an easy thing. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's not an easy thing to do. Like He sounded like a radio guy where he would – Kind of describe the action in between plays, and that's why he was talking about the chant that was going on, and he had the research as to you know it was in the student newspaper, and you know da 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 da, da. like right. that's a radio guy. Like he sounded like a radio guy. I give him credit yeah. for that. Yep. Father Hesburg and Edmund Joyce both played yep. priests. I did know that as well. Just a couple quick notes on some of these characters. Okay, Pete, great friend, right? Like, bought Rudy the jacket, encouraged Rudy, sucked, obviously, that he died. But Pete was a great friend. Like, yep. Rudy needed a great friend, and Pete was a great friend. He got one. Yeah. Uh, Mary, you know, who we were talking about on campus. Tough hang, Mary. Um, Stickler for the rules with the whole, you got to have the ID. You can't paint the helmets without without the A. You can't blame her. Tough hang, though. Tough hang. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like. Did you ever, as you were watching the movie, were hoping that they would like get together? Like, it I don't. Seemed like it, it was going to happen. You know, it never first, did. I mean, it never did. You're the, right. Maybe only... maybe Angelo Pizzo, you know, was too jealous to let hey. him kiss on camera or something. I mean, the whole like uh, <laughs> the last time you saw her was when she's at practice, and he's like, uh, "Don't I know you?" or whatever he's. I can't remember exactly what he said, but like, you know, oh my gosh, that's that's the guy that I kicked out. Oh, like, they, but that's it. That's the, they just dropped it. There was no right, nothing. Like Rudy was not lucky in love in this movie in any way. Right, not at all. <laughs> Excuse me, Frank, Rudy's brother. Not a lot of fun at parties. Not fun at the bar. Like Frank was, he had Frank, something stuck up his butt, man. Like yeah, he was just not a happy fall, guy. Didn't fall far from the tree though, because Ned Beatty, as the dad, was you know tough school old love. Like until like. 
until Rudy proved that he was on the team and dad showed up and, and saw it, like dad was was daddy downer, basically. That's true. You know, not a lot of encouragement on the whole Well, front. yes and no. I mean, he was trying to keep his son realistic. And we're going to talk about favorite scenes, and I'll, I will elaborate at that point. Okay. Okay. I just feel like if they make this movie today and the dad is going to have like that attitude you're going to see mom swooping in you know like pep trying to pep rudy up you know giving sure. some encouragement. Would have been more like, of a positive influence like he would, had no he had nobody doing that for him by the way except for pete but then pete died right i'm just saying well, he pete just had like the, pete's pete was like memory thing. basically right. pete was the yeah. closest thing because like you know then the girlfriend you know she's like come on let's buy the house and you know all that stuff and he's like eh, i'm not so sure on the house you know there's kind of some things that i want to do I'm 19, by the way, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like that first hour, you know, where, where it's all like everybody just beating Rudy down, There's like a lot the, of way, activity. the way they make movies today, the mom would be a much more prominent character, you know, at least trying to prop Rudy up and, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe even the girlfriend, you know, gives him encouragement instead of trying to tie him down. I don't know. Like yeah. everything. Everything was weighing Rudy down except yeah. for Pete in that that's first true. hour. No, that's true. And she was try like she was weighing him down, I guess. She was trying to get him to, you know, get married and start a family and you know, just be like everybody else in town. They were gonna get that cookie cutter house, you know, with wall to wall carpeting and all of the, you know, highlights mm -hmm. that that house had. And they nailed it with I bet you they probably found that house on like the west side of South Bend or something like that. But they nailed it as far as like the cookie cutter houses of that era. I mean, that was right. that was right up the alley, man. I, like I said, probably the west side of South Bend. They didn't have to go far because uh, there's a bunch of those out there. But that was they nailed that one. <laughs> Salty is asking, when do you think Mary would have insisted that sports talk starts? I'm I'm doubting Mary would stand for IB Nation sports talk starting much more than 10 seconds after six o'clock. Like there better still be zero on the clock in Mary's world. Mary's yes, a stickler. Right. There's no that's doubt right. about it. I don't know if I would have let her into practice. So one of the questions that we used to ask on the old podcast was what role could Kevin Costner have played in this? See, now if you're, if you're doing it in filming right. it in 92 versus now you can do either one. Well, and it's tough because Obviously, if you were doing it now, he'd be a great dad, or right. he Especially would be like current Kevin Costner seems yes, a little bit more dour, absolutely. You know? he, he could definitely be the dad working in the steel mill, like the mm -hmm. whole thing. The problem with Kevin Costner when this movie was shot is that he was like in his late 30s. There's, really, you, there's you really no demographic, yeah, there's no demographic for him because there's some either the young people something. that are yeah. Rudy's age. And I looked up the ages of like Dan Devine and Eric Parsi. Like they they were too old to have been played by Kevin Costner because they were in like their late fifties. You know that kind of he, he can't play. Maybe he's thirty seven. He can't play fifty eight. Like that right. that that's not going to work. So right. at the time this was made, I don't know that there was a part for him like a legitimate lead ish type of role. I mean, he can't play Fortune. For obvious reasons. <laughs> right. Well, now, Fortune was actually like a composite, apparently, of okay. multiple okay. people. So, so maybe he could have done that. I mean, that's a possibility, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, they, they they worked in, you know, a couple different angles by having, you know, Fortune be in there. Charles S. Dutton, we didn't even mention him, who was Rock back in those days. ROC. Did you ever watch Rock <laughs> back in your... Uh, Back in your preteen days. No, I didn't. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was a sitcom, Rock. Really? <laughs> yeah. Thought I was pretty privy on all that stuff. Lasted for a year or two, I think. Didn't last. I thought it lasted longer than it did, but it's the um the guy that was in um not Lethal Weapon, but uh, Die Hard. They get, remember the cop oh, okay. in Die Hard? He had a sitcom too, and I always get the two of those guys confused because uh, you know, I think they they both had more hair <laughs> at one point. Fair. And neither of them have as much hair now. That's fair. any other like, like would you have changed any of the casting for any? You know, other it's so hard when you find a movie that you love. Like though, like it's hard to see different people 
like different actors in those roles. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very, very difficult. I, I mean, it, it feels like a perfectly cast movie, Sean. So I don't know <laughs> that I could actually fill anybody else in those roles, man. I'm sorry. I think Vince Vaughn would, would have made an interesting D Bob. I mean, it would have changed it a yeah. little bit, but you know, like a little wisecracking kind of guy, but I think the That's problem a good with call. that, I think the problem with that is then, you know, and, and at the same time, the running back could have actually looked a little bit more like a running back and been more athletic. <laughs> As opposed to know, like 6'4", 170 yeah, exactly. pounds. He looked more like a quarterback than a running or back. Or a wide yeah. receiver. Like exactly. he looks like a he looked more like a wide receiver than the kid who was supposed to lead the, you know, the all-American act like it. Like he looked right. more like a wide receiver than that kid did, you know. Right. Yeah. And then Roland so, Steele. So if Vince Vaughn is D Bob. And then there's really no place for Favreau, which That's means true. they're not on the movie together, which kind of changes movie history for changes like the history. Next 15 Absolutely. Years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, there's really none that I would probably change either. And I know like you, you did an interview, you guys on, uh, on the radio last year, you yeah. did an interview with Rudy. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember listening to that interview. There were a lot of different guys, I think, who were, you know, supposed to come into audition to play the part of Rudy. But if I remember hearing that interview, right, he said, as soon as Sean Aston walked in, he knew that he was the guy. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, when you figure, because there has to be a certain body type, right? I mean, he's got to be small. He, you know, he's got to look like a, he's got to be about our height. (laughs) You're not wrong. I mean, I don't know how tall Sean Aston is, but he can't be much. He's got to be about what we are. Right. I mean, he has to be. So, there, there has to be, like, for example, Vince Vaughn couldn't have been Rudy. He can't be 6'4 Great point. And, and, and be Rudy, yeah. right? So right. he fit the visual of what we all now know of as Rudy. He fit that perfectly. See, like, Tom Cruise could have been Rudy, like, 15 years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you ever look at Tom Cruise and think, ah, oh, downtrodden steel myth? That's very true. Well, like in all the right moves, have you seen that, all the uh, right moves? Oh my gosh, that's a great movie. I actually, yeah, I mean, he was a from a, like a pits, you know, like a Pennsylvania that's true. steel town. That's so, true. That is but true. But he still looked like Tom Cruise. Like he was, yes, like, he yes. was like the jock. He wasn't like you said. He wasn't. Yeah, he like looks at least athletic. He looks athletic. I don't know how athletic Tom Cruise actually is. I know he does his own stunts, uh, but yeah, I. Seeing Tom Cruise run, it's like, I don't know, is he really an athlete? <laughs> Just saying. That's very true. I'm not trying to throw Tom Cruise under the but bus the during a Rudy that breakdown. Is but... like, he likes to run in every movie possible, but he, at the same Just time, looks he looks awkward. like a guy who taught himself to run. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, like, he had to teach himself to run over the years, but he thinks that he needs to be running in every movie that he does. Yes. He, he, he just runs very awkwardly. Very awkwardly, you know. <laughs> Tommy says he could have played Rudy. Uh, Anthony says Sean Aston is five six. There you go. To was so I tower over Sean Aston? Is what you're saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Five eight. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the part. This is where we. Uh, kind of had our biggest disagreement when, when, you know, this is the reason Vince came in for the rebuttal the first time we did the podcast a few years back when we talked about Rudy, anything that bugs you about it. And tell me what bugs you first. And okay. then we'll get to, you know, if there's anything that bugs you first, then we'll get into the bigger picture stuff. Because really, if there is a knock on this movie, you know, again, we'll get to that here in just a second. Yeah. Anything so, that bugs you personally? My my biggest gripe, um, and, and it wasn't a gripe to begin with. It became a gripe as I went to college uh, and whatnot. So my biggest gripe was that they didn't actually use Holy Cross uh, in the movie. And when I was a kid, I had no idea that that was the case. None. No so idea. What did, they, what did they use for Holy Cross? Because I saw some of the cutaways. What, what were they actually yeah. using? So that's like a retreat center um, that's right across the lake there. I actually went okay. there in high school for a retreat one time. I don't go to Holy Cross. You know, I haven't been. I've been there a yeah. handful of times, but I haven't been there enough to know exactly 
you know, like what any of the buildings look like. Right. So <laughs> funny, funny story. And this is going to sound pathetic, possibly. Um, <clears throat> when I, I went to Holy Cross after high school, that's where I went for my first two years of college. And like the one of the first things I tried to do when I w- when I went there for a visit and I I was looking for all the places where they filmed Rudy. I couldn't find any of them because they didn't exist. And it like it broke my heart, man. Like it was totally not at all what I thought it was. And it, it ruined a little bit of the mystique for me. Um, Cause of course, when I was that age, I had like visions of going to Holy Cross, transferring to Notre Dame. Like I was, I was on the Rudy path, Sean Styers. And I, I like, I wanted to open my letter of acceptance on that bench and then run down and run. Holy Cross isn't on a lake. It's across the street. Like it's Dear not even. Coach Davey. My <laughs> name is Vince. <laughs> Seriously. I'm all about ball, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my biggest gripe is that like I was walking through the hallways of Holy Cross, like looking for where they film stuff. Did not occur. Like Didn't it didn't exist. They were not over there at all. See, that's where, like, if they film that classroom scene at John Adams High School, maybe they have Which a I didn't plaque even know. There, I don't know. They need to have a plaque in there that says, like, the scene from right? Rudy was shot in this room. You know, like. Some... I taught at John Adams. I coached yeah. football at John Adams. I, I need to rewatch the movie there. and, yeah. like, focus a little bit more to see if it's John Adams. Like, that blows my mind. I think Jonathan is the one that told us that. That My mind is absolutely blown. For that one <laughs> right so my biggest gripe about the movie rudy is this i get i get it it's a story of an underdog and we're supposed right. to know like he's an undersized guy a lot of heart made it with notre dame okay i counted 10 references to rudy being the guy with the big heart and <laughs> literally nine of them came in the last 45 minutes of the show they wow. bombard you with it the last half of the show. And I like, that's always been one of my biggest gripes. And I sat there with a notepad and I was, you know, like going to keep track of it. And it's like, there was like one in the first hour. And I'm like, am I, am I misremembering this? You know, did they not pour it on? And then all of a sudden he makes the team and it's like, Oh, boom, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Literally. They just, they beat you over the head with it. I could, you could take about half as many, like make it five, we don't need 10 references to you're the, you know, you've got the biggest art and, you know, that's, that's what bugs me though, especially on the rewatch, you know, again, like the first couple times it's like, Oh, you know, you know, kid has heart and whatever. Trying to watch it again. It's a little bit too much for me. And like, you know, I've always compared it like to Rocky movie. You don't like, but <laughs> Rocky, the reluctant hero, you know, we don't get it beaten over our head that Rocky isn't, you know, it's another underdog story, but we don't like, they don't beat us over the head with the fact that, that, you know, Rocky's got all this heart and all this stuff, which to me is like kind of saying something considering Sylvester Stallone obviously wrote it. And like time has shown that he's one of the biggest egomaniacs <laughs> that's out there. True. You know? But, but Sylvester Stallone didn't hit us over the head with it. Um, okay. So let's just get to, what probably the biggest gripe that most people have first thanks for the super chat anthony we definitely appreciate that always um yeah patrick my gripe was making dan divine an antagonist you're not alone in that there's a couple (laughs) more comments in here mr 2.0 my gripe about the movie is that it didn't do dan divine fair and uh, reverend JMH, you know, was saying earlier, the names on the back of the jerseys <laughs> in the coaches. Well, the names were on the back of the jerseys back then. I think they were. I think they were. So that's not that much of a stretch. Right. Um, But it's the fact versus fiction that I think gets most people. Sure. And specifically the Dan Devine stuff. Like the scene, you know, the office scene with the jerseys. Didn't happen, and the stuff on the sideline where he's keeping Rudy out of the right. game didn't happen. Dan Devine was not happy about it. That's that's where you know a lot of people, you know, like Joe Montana has not been happy about it. He's been vocal about it over the years. People locally, like Jeff Jeffers, if you ever talked to him back in the day, he was around 
Um, you know, let's see. Basically, a lot of people took issue with the fact that they took liberties with the truth. So where do you stand on that? So any movie, and I and I do mean this as seriously as I could possibly make it, any movie that's based on a real story, that's based on real life, there's going to be made up. Things. It's not a documentary. So exactly. you have to go into a movie like this knowing that every conversation that's on the screen, every scene that happens may not have happened, you know, and I don't really have a huge issue with that. I don't. There are documentaries out there about Rudy that are probably way more accurate than the actual movie itself. And I, I, that's cool. I like the movie. I don't look at it, even though I was disappointed that they didn't use Holy Cross and all that stuff. I look at it as a movie that's entertaining and it was entertaining to me and it made me root for the underdog. That's the whole point of the movie. It's a feel good movie. And I felt real good when that movie was over. So right. The fact that they played fast and loose with some of the details, I mean, it is what it is. To make it, to it, make it a good me. movie, you, you have to have those antagonists. You know? Absolutely, it, you it, have to. It, there has to be you know, some, some push and pull there. Like That's basically what it comes down to. Hollywood is, Hollywood is always going to Hollywoodize things. Right. They've, they've got to juice up the story a little have bit. To. And, a lot, and a lot of people want to specifically blame like Rudy Rudiger, you know, like Daniel Rudiger. For this whole thing right. i i doubt you know because again like he he gave them the story he shopped his story to there, yeah to he people. shopped his yeah. story but there was an actual you know and again and we talked about him pizzo you know the guy who also wrote hoosiers mm -hmm. is the guy who actually wrote the screenplay and if you want it to be a good movie it can't all be just what happened that's why exactly. sometimes you have to you know make up a character or like in the case of Fortune, you have to make a composite of the. You couldn't have like six different people, you know, doing different things. You centralize it by you know making Fortune. Like no one complains about the fact that Fortune was a composite character. You know, you just right. complain about the fact that people, you know, Dan Devine complained because they made him out to be a bad guy. And it's like, was Dan Devine's reputation really that damaged by this right. whole thing? Because right. you know, like there was some. There was a little tug of war with a walk-on back in the 1970s that you know, nobody knew <laughs> I'm pretty about sure. for 15 years. He still won a national championship. He still has a statue up at the University right. of Notre Dame. Well, like, I'm sorry. And the other thing, and again, I know you asked uh, Rudy specifically about this. He was in the Navy, and mm -hmm. that that is not mentioned in the movie at all. And like today, if they made Rudy today, I guarantee you – Oh, the Navy over the steel mill would be a much bigger thing. They would they would make they would, a point. They would definitely play. Absolutely. Up the Navy and, I, and I think that's disappointing, to be honest with you. I think I think that having him serve his country and all of that, I think that was a missed opportunity in Rudy. Right. So like, if there was something that I would add in or something I would change about the movie, that is one of the things that I would change. I would at least touch on the fact that he was in the Navy, right? Because he went to the Navy. He worked at the steel mill. Like we're talking about a pretty good chunk of time between the end of high oh. school and the time that he went to college. Right. And they right. don't really like, they, they kind of joke around about it a little bit as far as like that. He's a little bit older, but no, they don't really hit that very hard. And but I feel also, like there's also some, some money in his pocket. As a result of his, you know, he would have had yes. a GI Bill, like absolutely, you know, like how they play up the whole fact that he's got to sleep in the, you know, the janitor's room and all that different kind of stuff. He would have actually had at least some cash flow coming in. You know, he wouldn't have been quite as broke as they made him out to be. You know, so they definitely played that up as well. I'm not saying he was, you know, like overflown with money, but again, because he was in the service and he would have had GI Bill coming back. So right, absolutely, he would have had that. Yeah, I, I think they should have touched on that. And they, they should have played up the fact that he was a lot older than all, a lot of those guys that were on the team and yeah. all of that as well, because that's that's because really like when you look at Sean Aston, you look at those other guys, yeah, like you like they probably would have called him grandpa for that matter. Right. Know? And I mean, I guess he would have been like a uh sophomore, or maybe a junior, I don't know. When he was hitting on Mary, like is he robbing the cradle? Like, how? what was the age difference there? I, I think That's I need true. to know this. That's true. <laughs> Very true. 
let's see some other stuff that uh was it yeah um now i don't know if this is completely factual but sean stewart said rudy was in vietnam when pete died he very well could have been yeah. you know because again he was You're talking mid-70s probably i i mean yeah. if i'm getting my timeline right so i mean that would make that would make sense right exactly um so where do you put it among your favorite sports movies vince it's top three for sure, if not one or two. Like it, it probably varies here and there as as my mood shifts. Uh, but it's top three. I mean, it, there there are very few movies where, and I I again I can recite this thing from start to finish as it's going along, like I, that annoying guy. Um, and so it's 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 always going to be one of my absolute favorites, one of my absolute bests, and nothing will ever change that. Like it's it is absolutely one of my favorite sports movies of all time the fact that it has to do with notre dame definitely vaulted it up there and probably was the reason that i went and saw it in the first place so the tie-in absolutely is important but i think the story and the underdog and the all of it it's it's just a great movie i put it top 10 i can't put it top five you know there are a lot of other others that i would put up you know between Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, those kind of movies. Friday Night Lights, the movie, like quite a bit, uh, you know. So I'd, again, I'd, I'd put it top ten, probably just outside the top five. DTS, if uh, if I think it's because I didn't grow up with the film in my youth that it lost some magic for you, maybe, you know, because like, um, like, still fairly attached to like the bad news bears and the bad news bears and breaking training. Like those are the ones I would have been a little bit younger than you were when Rudy, you know, like when I would have probably been, you know, maybe around the same 10, 11, 12 year old range. Like when those came out, you know, like there, there's definitely some nostalgia with those. Uh, But at the same time, you know, again, it's a good movie. It just, I think part of it is just, it's, there's a little bit too much saccharine for me. You that's, know, that's fair. That's what it comes down to. I, I will say, I think DT's onto something here because I saw this movie when I was 12 years old, almost the exact same time I was falling in love with Notre Dame football, right? And I think part of that is because of this movie. I'll be real honest with you. I think it all goes part and parcel. You don't have one without the other for yeah. me. And so it is part of my youth. It is part of... Again, my parents were not sports people. Like I had to find my sports allegiances on my own. You know what I mean? Now my mom's side of the family is from Chicago. So that's where I started following the Cubs and the Bears. But like Notre Dame football, I had to find that kind of on my own, right? 11, 12 years old, like that's when I was going in head first. And that's when this movie came out. And it probably sealed the deal for me. So that is part of it. I guarantee it. It's part of it. It, with the youthful magic and all of that, like I was in on this movie when I was 12 years old. Right. And that's, I really like, like it didn't, it, it, you know, again, like when it, when it comes to like the teams of my youth, it is still more Dallas Cowboys, Kansas city Royals than even Notre Dame. Like the Notre sure. Dame stuff came, you know, because again, growing up in the seventies, it's not like it is today where you're saturated with mm-hmm. everything. And we had like, you know, we had three channels. We lived right, you know, a little bit out of town, you know, so we didn't have cable and all that kind of stuff. You know, like most of the Notre Dame stuff came from like my grandpa being, you know, Irish Catholic and all, like hearing him talk about it, but we didn't really even get to see it, you know, not nearly as much as like Royals and Cowboys, which were on TV all the time, and they were both really good. So it wasn't really even until you know, like that early teen era where Notre Dame really started to come on the radar. Yeah. So like those other things, you know, again, that like, like my, you know, like attachment to the Cowboys and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I think why mm. it's, it's so intense just because it was more attached to my youth and all that kind of Absolutely. stuff. You know? so, the stuff you would yeah. get attached to in your youth, like the Cubs for me was something I got attached to in my youth. Right. I never really got attached to the Bears. So I could take or leave the Bears. Yeah, they're my NFL team, but I could take or leave them. They won the Super Bowl when I was four. You know what I mean? But like the Cubs, they're on every day. And I watched them on WGN. My grandma was a huge fan. She used to buy me baseball cards. So it's like it's that youthful attachment. I, I completely agree right. with you. And that's why that's why I, I like 
when I couldn't find Rudy yesterday, when I was going through my stuff, I found my uh, synopsis of the World Series from 2016, narrated by Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I watched that instead, and I and I was watching like I didn't know what was going to happen. Like I was, I was totally in, you know. But it's because of that youthful attachment. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up uh, this this whole discussion here, any favorite lines or or scenes that you have from the movie? Well, of course, there's the uh, you know this is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen when when the dad walks into the stadium. Right. I get I get that. Right. Where I'm totally uh, jaded by that. You know, being in there as much as I am. And I'll be honest with you, the scene slash uh, quote that the dad gives Rudy at the bus stop. I don't have a problem. I think that that's a great scene because he he talks about the, the cows. Basically like you're – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, he talks about the cows and how, you know, he was a dreamer and all these things. And it's okay to have dreams, but it's also okay to understand what your reality is. I think that's a talk that parents have to have with their kids at times. Like if you walk into my middle school social studies class when I was teaching and you said, raise your hand if you think you're going to go to the NBA, every boy was like, what? Eventually, right. you've got to have that talk about reality. And I and that was a, that's what dads are supposed to do at some point. I get that. But, you know, again, especially because they skipped the Navy part of things, you know, he was still supposed to be right. pretty young at that point. And like – Youth is for figuring out, you know, how your dreams and reality, I guess, can can actually intersect. You know, you yeah. still like I would not discourage my kid from pursuing whatever dream they had. Maybe that meant they were going to run into a complete brick wall. And they were, you know, at, at that point, you've got to face a different sure. reality. But I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't discourage them from at least pursuing whatever they think their, their dream is as, as long as it's realistic, because right. so that's you know, the like thing. you said, the NBA part or the NFL part, <laughs> you know, obviously for 99.9% .9 of people, it's completely unrealistic, but something like this, I mean, he just wanted to get into Notre Dame and walk on and be a part of the team. Now, was that a long shot? Of course it was, oh, but it I, wasn't, it wasn't a completely like, cause, cause they also make it out, you know, like they only lived in Joliet. He's only correct. a couple hours, but it, like he, he might as well have been, you know, a world away from Notre Dame. Oh, <laughs> you know, and that's why it, that was like up. that. It was his NFL, right? Right. And, and he was an average student at best in high school. They made that point very clear, right? And so when you look at it, like if if my kid was a C student and he graduated from high school, and we're at the graduation party, he's like, "Dad, I'm going to Notre Dame." I'm like, "Sit down, son. We got to have a talk." Like that's clearly not going to happen like we need to have this chat like you have c's you need to have straight a's to go to notre dame like that's a realistic talk that i think you got to have with your kid you know he defied the odds obviously he did a lot of things and and somebody said that they heard that rudy was not a nice guy or whatever i spoke with some of the professors when i was at holy cross there was a, a couple of professors that were still there that were there when when rudy was there and they basically just said he was really annoying because he would ask for extra credit all the time. He would ask questions all the time. Like he was incredibly annoying. He wasn't a bad guy, but he was incredibly annoying in class. But that is that is one of the things that you hear about him is that he was right. you know kind of a kind of a gnat. Kind of, but at the same time, <laughs> but he was single minded. He had a exactly. goal. He was at a holy cross yeah. because he wanted to get in Notre Dame. Right. And like I think you would have been doing the same thing, Vince. Quite honestly, oh, I actually. Been. I, I kicked myself because I ended up getting really good grades at Holy Cross and I decided not to apply to Notre Dame. I think I probably could have gotten in with the grades that I had. And it's because I was very single-minded there for a while. You know what I mean? And so I actually kicked myself to this day about that. Now, my life would have been completely different. But um, but yeah, he was very single-minded. That's what he wanted to do. I, you know what? Yeah, he probably was very annoying. But he got what he wanted in the end. So Exactly. Exactly. One of my favorite scenes is honestly the Jersey scene. Whether or not it actually happened, I don't care. Doesn't matter. It's still a good scene. It's powerful. Him, 
and him getting in at the end of the game, actually reaching, you know, his, that's like, I actually, I will say this as much as I've sit here and kind of like, ah, too much small. To I did get a little, yes. know, felt a little emotion watching that final scene when he got in yesterday. So yep. uh, that, you know, and like the, you know, when the dad gets in the stadium for the first time, you know, this is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. I actually, in the cover letter, you know, when I first came here, to, you know, you. when I when I first got the job doing, you know, Notre Dame radio, and I mean, literally came from the uh, the, the the cattle fields of Western Colorado. <laughs> the the I used that line in in the cover letter, you know, that I got that I ended up getting the job to move out here. See, so, yeah, you can thank Rudy for that. It's an effective line. That's right. <laughs> Look, every time he runs onto the field onto the kickoff team, every single time I get chills. Every time. Right. I that to me, that is the one of the markers of a good movie. Is if I've seen it a hundred times and I still well, get chills. And I don't know about you, my sophomore year in high school, the very the the first varsity game I got into, it was the same, you know, not exact same situation, but it's like a garbage time situation. Yep. They threw some reserves on the field at the end of the game. And it, you know, it was like the same thing. I'm looking to the sideline. It's like, what do I do? Where do I line? You know, all this different right. stuff, all these things are going through, you know, it's like all those things. It was basically exactly the same, but obviously he was on a much bigger stage at, at Notre Dame stadium. Of course, you know, but no, so. you're absolutely right. Like it's it, under the lights for the first time, you know, the whole yeah. thing, no doubt about it. Yep. All right. Well, we will wrap up. This part of the show had fun talking about Rudy again. Thirtieth anniversary, crazy Rudy. Anything, crazy. anything else before we we wrap up? Like, you, you want to just? I will good? say right now, it cannot be remade. You can't do it. It's it's I agree. it's that is it's just a classic movie. You cannot remake for the reasons that it's a good movie. That's one reason. The other reason is a practicality reason. Notre Dame doesn't look anything like it looked in the seventies. Like yeah, you where would you film? Like where would you film? You would have to film on a on a sound stage with a green screen to make it look like Notre Dame Stadium looked in the seventies. You were still able to do yeah. that in nineteen ninety two. You don't you don't have the RVs and all that stuff out there right. anymore, or not? Like I don't know if they have them on the white field or what. But I they don't have them are, anywhere close to the stadium now. The cars, so like it's amazing when they did like the aerial shots. The cars were parked like right next to the stadium. Like <laughs> you want to talk about one stop shopping? Like boom, right. you're in now. That's no nowhere near right so it's you couldn't remake this movie you just you couldn't do it right the inside of the joy center looks different the the stadium looks different campus looks different you just you couldn't do it so can't remake it at all i completely agree i completely agree because like i mean everything would be cgi if you try to make it and that wouldn't be the same like that wouldn't be i don't know it just wouldn't be good enough and that that first when they show him, remember when he's outside the stadium and they start off and they're like really zoomed in on him. He tried to get in. He couldn't get in. And then the camera starts pulling back away. Yes. You see that divide where he's walking outside the stadium and, and you know, like inside. And it's like, that's all. <laughs> One, that was like my first real relationship to, you know, sort of, you know, again, having never been here at that point, just like any kind of realization sure. of, you know, what the stadium looked like to, you know, to the campus and the whole thing. And like you pan to the light, you know, like he's walking under what is now the press box there yeah. at Notre Dame. You know, he's the, right up the next to the stadium. Box. Yeah. yeah. And everything outside it, what used to be the road there is, you know, just sidewalk and right into, you know, to the Joyce Center. Well, like, you know, you had the scene where, he, you know, he meets Fortune for the first time. They're literally yelling across the stadium from one tunnel to the other. Like, right. How the heck are you going to do that? You know what I mean? Just there's so many different things that you would, just wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Uh, and it just wouldn't have that authentic feel anymore. You know? Concur. Yeah. Concur.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.